Welcome to the Rise podcast, conversations on faith, race, justice, gender, and the church. It's December 6, 2021. Who would have thought we would have ever gotten here? You'll notice this week that it's just myself, Danielle, and then a special guest who I'll introduce in a minute. But as I said in notes uh, previously, that Maggie and I both had a grandma pass away in the last couple weeks. And man, it's been hard. Hard on both of us. Um, I wrote on my Instagram post that you might see bags under my eyes. You might see a brighter smile because I'm appreciative of living in life. Um, you, you might notice like Maggie or I absent from time to time. Like that stuff's going to happen. It's just the way it is. Maggie or I might be absent. Um, but why do we continue doing this? I think for me, the reason is these conversations bring me life. They give me hope. It, it actually feels like for me, at least I can speak for myself, It's living into some of the tradition of uh, the grandmothers I have had that have gone on to glory. And so here I am today. Um, I'm so honored and privileged to have my colleague, uh, office mate, neighbor um, with me. Her name is Kaylee Jensen. She is of Cultivate Counseling Services here in Paulsville, Washington. And Kaylee's been on this wild ride of leading groups with me. And we've had so many discussions through the pandemic. And really, she's just been a, a, a gift, truly a gift to me in my life. And so uh, I love that I can have her with me today on it, just to have a conversation. And she's going to share a little bit about her leadership journey, um, where she's been, where she's going, and uh, just tune in and just enjoy who Kaylee is. Um, and thank you. Here we go. Well, I was like, Hey, are we recording? And you're like, what? Yep. Yep. That's what it's like to hang out with Danielle. It's always an adventure. <laughs> so I know I told you about the Azer collective, I don't know, months ago, right? Yeah. Probably, it feels a long time ago. Yeah. Maybe even since I went, And I'm just kind of curious, you know, you heard about it from me and obviously you looked at it on the website, but what ultimately helped you make the decision to go or what were you looking for or hoping for? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, you did tell me, I think quite a while ago because it was during the pandemic. I feel like uh, we talked about it and you were telling me about it. And I think even maybe when... um, Azer decided they were going to actually do one in 2021 was when you were really like, go with me. Um, and honestly, I don't know, like if I really had my head wrapped around what Azer was at the moment, I think part of it was a little bit pandemic, uh, isolation that the thought of like leaving town was so enticing (laughs) that my first response was like, I will go anywhere. (laughs) Um, but then like, I did look it up and I, you know, was, was reading their website and, um, you know, it was obviously about women and leadership. Uh Um, and I think, uh, I definitely felt like I had a need for more investment in my leadership skills. Um, because I worked for a church for a long time and did a lot of leadership in like groups and uh, led large groups of people and did events and things like that. And since I am not working for the church and just doing my own private practice, I wonder about some of my leadership skills and like how to use them, like how to be in that. And, and I think 
that was what really spurred me on to like, okay, I think I do need more investment in my leadership. Um, and the thought of going and learning from the first group of women was the most appealing thing. I have really only been taught leadership skills from white men. And that was what really drew me in and made me excited. So that's why I ultimately decided a combo of wanting to leave town and realizing like I need more investment in my leadership skills and trying to figure out a way forward to how to use more of my skills in my private practice now. Yeah. And, and you don't have to jump into all the details or share what you want, but I'm curious, like you mentioned, like, how did you know you were a leader before? And what did leadership development look like for you? You can give like a snapshot or share a couple of stories, like whatever feels comfortable to you. Yeah, um, I would say for me, my understanding of leadership has come through the church world. Um, I uh, grew up in a conservative uh, Christian church and I actually did not see myself as a leader for a really long time as a woman and I married a pastor. and so. For the first like 12 years of our marriage, I really just saw myself as a pastor's wife and didn't totally see myself as a leader because uh, I was supporting my husband and that was my role is what I felt. And I didn't even really think out of the box of that or like that, that, that there could be more. And um, eventually my husband was no longer in ministry and then I was on staff at a church and that church that I was on staff at did a ton of leadership development. And that was the first place that I was like, oh, wait, I'm a leader. And I could even see and look back on like some of the things I had done with my husband and go like, oh, yeah, I totally have leadership skills, but I didn't see it that way. So I was really thankful for uh, a lot of investment from the church that I was on staff at in leadership and leading teams. Um, and I, I gained a lot from that. And, uh, that was when I first saw myself like as a leader and going, Oh, I have leadership skills. Now, what did that mean? Like that you were a leader, like, what did that mean to you? What did that represent? Mm. That's a good question. Um, what did that mean to me? Uh -huh. I know for me, like, I'll just give a personal example, like me leading meant like I might be able to, I remember like in my younger years might be able to play on the worship team and that people would see me and they would expect that I was doing what I was singing. Right. Cause mm. I grew up in an evangelical church context first. Um, but it was also like a trap because I didn't know how to, uh, handle any kind of failure or any kind of dissonance in what it meant to be in front of other people and what it meant to be human. So, so I remember like feeling all of those constraints and binds and then also feeling like the message, like, wait a minute, if I, um, if I am a leader and I fail, then there's no way for me to go back. And so of course, like any other human, I failed. And so for a long time, I just thought, well, I'm not going back. I'm just kind of on the outside. Um, but even on the outside, I remember a teacher saying to me, well, you're still leading, even if you're from the outside. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking, I like you. <laughs> yeah. 
So for me, it meant like a combination of those things and not necessarily having like words to interpret that process for myself or not having anybody to interpret it, just kind of like nuts and bolts. Yeah, I think I definitely felt like some of what you felt. I did not feel that initially because where I first started leading was not on a stage. Um, Like I first started leading teams in like groups and um, as a therapist, like I would say like I've always had a passion to like meet people like where they're hurting and that's mm-hmm. typically not super public in a church, right? And mm-hmm. so like, I I think leadership to me meant like I could have influence and I could like help people in a bigger way. And like, so some of my first like leadership opportunities, like I felt like it opened up a space for me to have influence um, where more and more people could get access to care, which is like super consistent with like what I do as a therapist. <laughs> And some of that was way before I ever even thought about going back to school. So I think initially I really felt that, but kind of along what you're saying, I think as my leadership and influence grew, I then did have opportunities to be more in front of, and I think our church culture definitely had like this fame worship type of thing of people on the stage. So then it was like this mixed bag of like, uh, people would like know me in our community who I didn't know. So I felt like this weird, like fame around leadership that like is a little bit intoxicating, I think, but like, uh, also came with that pressure of like failure then, but like wanting more of a taste of that. But then like this, this doesn't feel right. I don't know. So yeah, I think it was kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, it's so interesting. You talk about like helping and being there for other people. I never really thought of that as leadership, I guess, in my younger years either. Like I didn't see those as like leadership roles. I just assume that's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that where I saw the leadership was, is that I could lead other people into doing more of that. And that was super thrilling for me, like so exciting to like, some of the people and teams that I built were not people that were gifted in like worship and preaching, which I think is where the focus gets in the church often. And it was around like doing small groups and, and gathering people for community, for healing and relationship. And I love that. So that's where my leadership started like where I started to see myself as a leader that like, Oh, I can like gather people and I can like, help them and invest in them. So yeah, that's where it started for me. So how did that transition go from like church and you say you're a therapist and we've had you on the podcast before, but how did you make that transition from like church to therapist? Like, is that something always in the back of your mind? And I know people idealize therapists a lot. They think like, oh, they're perfect. They like, they like got all the relational crap together. And even before on this call, we're like talking like, man, this is hard or this is, you know, like we have those conversations, but, um, so I recognize there's that balance, but how did you make that move? Well, that was a long, that's a long, long story. So I'm going to try not make it long. Um, for like therapists, like the, I desire to be counselors, always like since my high school, like that was my like goal, but I took a long windy way to get there. 
So, but when I was working for a church, I wasn't starting out thinking of that, but it was kind of always in the back of my mind. I did have a long time where I really like visualized like counselor, like partnering with the church world and like, oh, this, this seems to like weave together so well, like there should be counselors as a part of like the church. And so I thought about that a lot throughout my journey while I was working on staff, but I think where that broke down was that there was a point to which as I continued growing in my leadership abilities and as I did different things in the church, I started to hit different ceilings. As you know, a woman in leadership, you have lots of ceilings, especially in the church world. And so it was very confusing initially, like I would feel empowered as a leader because I would attend all these leadership trainings through the church. And then at times I would like offer my voice as if my voice had authority or value. And there was certain places where it was like, all of a sudden, no, like you don't get to speak there. And that was really confusing initially because I was naive to like, I really believed what they were saying as far as like the leadership training and use your voice and use your passion. And we believe in you, Kaylee, and like all this goodness. And then when I started to step into using my voice in places that it wasn't welcome, that did not go well. And so it was like a disillusionment at first. And it was like, oh, this is a real thing. And obviously then my eyes were open to like, Clearly, I knew, I knew that there was a ceiling for women uh, in the business worlds. I think I was naively believing what at times the leaders at my church would say that I had access to all of this and I could speak in to these places if I was a good enough leader. So at first it sometimes felt like it was because I had bad leadership skills. And then I started to realize the systemic roots of like women in leadership at the church and the church that I was at is not an egalitarian, was not an egalitarian church. So that is part of what led to like, um, seeing some unhealthy systems and realizing like it would not be healthy for me to do any type of counseling within the church context and that these two worlds do need to be separated, at least in the context I was in. And so I eventually started my own private practice. I was doing both, which was, um, I would not recommend to be like on staff at a church in the capacity that I had and be a counselor because there was too many things that were overlapping. And so then I eventually just saw that and I was like, this is not ethical for me to work here anymore like in this capacity, I advocated for different roles, but those were not accepted. And so I just exited and said, my time was done. And now I'm just fully in private practice. I think you highlight another important part of leadership, just how women often feel obligated to stay or to make things work or to keep butting their heads up against the brick, the proverbial like brick wall, thinking um, at some point, it's going to break or there's going to be a chink in the armor. And I, I know that that gets to a little bit like what we, what I think inspired me about the Azer collective the first time was that realizing there was a place for women and that it didn't necessarily have to be always in the capacity to bust the system apart. 
that if there wasn't space at the table, that's okay because there are other tables. Mm -hmm. And was I called to pound away at a, a wall of bricks for my, the years I've been given, which some people might be, and there might be another capacity for you in that, then I don't have that. Or am I called to sit at another table and is my calling actually like to lead in, in that capacity with more freedom, which is what I hear you saying, which is why the Azer Collective was so inspiring to me and which is why I invited you. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, what was it like to be back in a church? I know the Azer Collective was in a church. It was like in a church context um, in that sense. But what was that like to step into that arena again after making the movement? like having this process with your leadership? Um, it was actually fairly difficult. I, I really appreciated um, Pastor Stephanie O'Brien and Joe Saxton and their teaching because I agree, they do, they are really great at like empowering women to lead both in the context of the church and to be okay with leaving it if it's not healthy. And I appreciated that so much to hear that. Um, uh, when I decided to just do my private practice, I did not leave the church that I had been on staff at. I was still attending and everything, but because through 2020 and 2021, um, more and more stuff became apparent from the church that I had been a part of. And so I decided to leave the church, um, you know, my participation in the church during 2020. So going to Azer was the first time I had been back in a church building outside of my aunt's funeral in a year and a half. Um, so I had a lot of very different emotions. Um, I think the biggest thing that I came away and I felt like this, but I know it's kind of like Christian-y talk, but like I did feel this sense of God reminding me that, um, cause some of the songs were the same that I sang in the church, that the churches that I've been a part of. And I had really not wanted to be a part of that since I left in 2020. So hearing those songs again was I like, oh, like I had so many different emotions being in a church building and hearing that. But I think that there was this reminder as I was in a church with all women in a really diverse room singing worship. It was a reminder of like, Kaylee, it's, it's not all harmful. Like not that Azer is perfect, but like there can still be some goodness and health and healing. I, I loved how Azer had two different sessions. Their first one was a little more focused on church leadership. And their second one was like business, women in businesses. And I like, intentionally was like, I would like to be a part of the business one. I am struggling still with the idea of church leadership. And so I, I wanted to be in that community and that felt really good and healing, I think, to have teaching from diverse women. And that has such void. I, like I said, I have only learned about leadership from white men, very, very few, even white women. But if it was, if there was any diversity, it might've been a white woman teaching me leadership, but there was no people of color. And I just, that was, I think, a beautiful and healing thing that gave me a little bit of hope again. I do think you bring up that important uh, concept and idea that like, who are we learning? Like, who are we following? And they talked a little bit about that at Azer. Like, who are the people that are mentoring you? Or they think they said, what do they say? Like apprentice? Mm -hmm. 
like you're apprenticing and then they said like there's a spectrum of of people that can apprentice you and I think for me I didn't grow up with any um, people of color in my life that I was learning under that were in my proximity I mean I had my mom and I had my mom's family um, but in the church context it was all white and then if there was for one a while uh, a, like a black pastor hey buddy come here and um but he was given like group roles or pastoral roles and like sparingly used to speak on a Sunday, but he wasn't the main driver of like thought or initiative, or at least it didn't come out that way. If he was behind the scenes, he wasn't credited with it in front. So um, then, you know, just through my church experience and going through the mission field and Luis and I living overseas and going through a missions agency, all our group leaders were white and all the systems were white. And when I look back, I wondered, I thought, why didn't we fit? And, you know, and I look back and I see so many cultural differences and then so many ways we didn't grow because of that. And so many ways that I think Luis and I can offer something different for our community um, that it doesn't have to just be like, oh, we're looking for something because at Azer Collective, it's like, yeah, you're looking for these people, but you're also, you also are the person for someone else. And so that I really have been thinking that through as well. And, and how do you feel about that? Like, yes, you need those people in proximity that you're apprenticing, but like, have you thought through like who you want to lead or who you're leading? Yeah, I think that is part of why I went to Azer and what Azer really helped me to have some space to actually think about was, um, you know, in a private therapy business, you own and you have your clients and you're leading yourself, <laughs> you know, your business, but it doesn't, it felt really alone as far as like, uh, so the, the time at Azer to think about who could I have like influence with? Where is my leadership now? Some of those leadership skills that I don't feel like I've used in a long time. It, it gave me space to think of out of the box. Um, and I think that Azer provided a place of like, oh, here's people that I could follow and, and have influence from as far as like apprenticing me. Um, and so I've been looking into the, the coaching opportunities to like continue to have, uh, I think I need more of that in my life. Uh, and then also it's given me ideas about how I could have possibly some things to offer other therapists um, in our community. And so I've been starting to wonder about, you know, connecting with other therapists to provide more even support and connection in the, in the world of therapists. So I guess I've been thinking about it in that way. Um, yeah. And just kind of processing still from Azer after I came home. Yeah, I, I, I know we talked a little bit about that. Like what are dream, like even as we we're on the plane, we're like, wait a minute. And you were telling me mm -hmm. kind of like some of the thoughts and dreams you had and, um, or maybe even just like call them possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Are you willing to talk about any of those or does it feel too yeah. soon? Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, I, obviously I'm a little different than you, Danielle, as far as like my pace and how I go at things, I'm a little more slow and like deliberate. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if, if that's how you work normally. 
<laughs> but so um well we balance each other out right we do yeah so no i've been thinking about uh possibly with uh so you know obviously we are in a office space together that we have called cedar and salt collective and um with that we have some group space and we have other people that rent out space from us that join our collective the idea behind it was like for me especially like i worked as a private practice therapist in an office with other therapists that also like did not want any connection there's lots of private practice therapists that like they're good to go by themselves but i need connection and so that was kind of the heart behind why we started our cedar and salt collective together and so i've been dreaming about what it would look like next year to have more of a networking side to our not people that are renting office space from us but like actually building out like a networking system with therapists and kind of dreaming about what it would look like to you know have a monthly gathering have a monthly training um because we all have to have continuing education credits and so i think that is part of my heart is i i would love to be able to help support other therapists because it can be really alone. Sometimes it's not just about networking for referrals, but sometimes it's like, we need someone to consult with about whatever, you know, we're working on with a client or we need training. And I like to do that in community. And so that's what I've been dreaming about is thinking what it would look like to start up a networking uh, group through Cedar and Salt Collective. Um, and I think the pandemic, like thinking, you know, that we could offer this to people really around the world. Um, now that we're all used to Zoom and all of these lovely things, um, it doesn't have to just be in our local community. So that's what I've been excited to, to be thinking about. Yeah. What, what are some of the topics or things that when you think you're passionate about or you'd want to provide support about in a networking situation with other therapists or what kind of things like Hey, that this hits you like, oh, when it comes up, you're like, I wish I would have known that as a therapist starting out. Mm -hmm. um, I loved at Azer, they had um, one of the leaders came from the, oh, help me remember the name of it, the Equal, ju ju the Justice. Uh, International Justice Mission. Thank you. International yeah. Justice Mission. Uh, the CEO or president, I think she is. I can't remember her exact title, but. Um, she came and talked about human trafficking. And as she was sharing, like, uh, my son has already been interested in like fundraising for some local organizations here around human trafficking. But we have in Kitsap County, uh, an organization called Scarlet Road that helps people in our community who are stuck in human trafficking. And I think that was like one of the first areas that I would love to offer trainings in for our network is that as a therapist, it's so hard um, to know how to help someone coming out of human trafficking. And they often at some point come across our path as therapists. And I don't think many of us are very prepared. So that is one area that I really want to offer, um, more training in. I think grief is that every therapist right now is spending a lot of time on become, coming out of the pandemic. I mean, everyone has been grieving so many losses. Um, and so I have some colleagues that have extra training in grief and loss. And I think as therapists, we need some extra support around that. 
Um, and another area that I'm passionate well, and I have a whole like list brainstorm, so I'm not going to go through all the things that I would like to offer, but one more I'll highlight is, um, somatic work and like Danielle and I, as we've done those groups together have really incorporated somatic work in our therapy. Um, and the Seattle school where we were trained at really invited us into our bodies and breathing and mindfulness, um, which initially was terrifying for me, but I have come to like realize how important that is. And I don't think um, all like therapist training programs offer that. And so that's another area that I'd like to offer trainings in. So just, and I think not just offering continuing credit for other therapists, but the opportunity for like local therapists that we know to teach I know so many great therapists that have like great skills in somatic work or human trafficking or grief. I want to give them an opportunity to be able to train and figure out how to do CEUs for us therapists. So kind of on the both sides, I want to like give space for people to use their voice, um, but also empower and equip therapists, the ongoing complexity of what it's like to be a therapist in 2021. Uh, I just think there's a need for that. Yeah, I love that, Kaylee. I love all those. I love those ideas. And I love the way you process through them and mull over them. And so if you're listening to this and this is something you're interested, go ahead and reach out to Kaylee. Um, you can find her link on our website. Well, just want to wrap up asking you three questions. What are you reading? What are you listening to? And who or what's inspiring you right now? Yeah. Um, what am I reading? Well, I just finished reading Oprah's book on what happened to you. Okay. That is the best book. And I love psychology reading. The thing I like about that book is it's not super, super, um, psychological. Like it has a lot of educational stuff, but it's weaved with story. That's just really accessible. So I highly recommend that book for anyone that's doing their own personal work. Um, and I think it's a great book. Um, what am I listening to? I've been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. Um, uh, and I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music because it is Christmas time. Um, and what was your last one? Who or what is inspiring you? Mm. You know, I'd have to say right now, like my husband is inspiring me. He has been doing a lot of his own personal work and we've both kind of been deconstructing a lot of our faith and the way he is going about it and the support that he's getting for himself is something that continues to inspire me right now. Um, and just like his, his process of change, like, uh, yeah, it's just been inspiring me. So I'm going to say my husband right now. I love that. Can you just share really quickly before, as we end, like how folks can get a hold of you, if they're interested in networking with you, like how do they find you? Yeah. So my, um, my website for my business is cultivate counseling services, but it's just cultivatecs.com. So you can find my website. Um, I'm also on Instagram and my Instagram is Kaylee underscore Jensen five. So you can find that. Um, and I think you said you'll put some links in there. So 
So I'm on Instagram and you can find my website. Yeah, so thank you so much, Kaylee. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep.